Let us pause and in silence find what words cannot grasp. A moment that holds all time, a place that anchors every place, a presence that is every presence, a sacred space, a holy moment, a place of encounter. Holy because we are here and God invites and together we find a dwelling place where heaven and earth abide together. Triced, tangle. This is that place. We are those people and God calls us, waits for us, invites us into worship. Let us pause and in silence find what words cannot grasp. A moment that holds all time. A place that anchors every place. A presence that is every presence. A sacred space. A holy moment. A place of encounter. Holy because we are here and God invites and together we find a dwelling place where heaven and earth abide together. Triced, tangle. This is that place. We are those people and God calls us, waits for us, invites us into worship. We each have a song within us. It is perhaps how we speak most fully with that which is beyond us. It's how the Bible expresses the connection, the, the relationship, the presence of God in our living. It is the song of the Psalms, a book that spills beyond the pages with that title and are found littered throughout the, the holy story on the lips of Moses and Abraham, Hannah, Mary and more. The sacred song we hear today allegedly is the oldest in the book, a tradition that suggests it was written not by David but by Moses. It doesn't matter if that is true or not. The idea of it being Moses' psalm invites us into one of the most ancient ways found to encounter God. Bringing who we are in all its honesty, for there is no word or emotion we can bring to God that isn't already there in the sacred psalms. I'd argue it's God's most organic and dynamic book. Because of alive, the song is alive. It is still being written and is most moving and truthful where our humanity, found in lament and thanksgiving, despair and joy, meet God's holy response of patience, anger, grace and love. Let our songs sing again. Let our souls find their natural dwelling place in the words, in the song, in the psalm. 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had conformed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, 
like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger, by your wrath. We are overwhelmed. We have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days pass away under your wrath, our years come to an end like a sigh. The days of our life are seventy years or perhaps eighty if we are strong. Even then, the span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. So teach us to count our days, that we may gain a wise heart. There is a debate in the church at the moment about what our worship should become. Should we continue to have sermons, monologues to expand our understanding of holy texts? Or should we strive towards a sense of worship that invites us into an encounter with these texts? The tradition of this Church of Scotland that grew into being uh, during the Enlightenment has always been based on a learned clergy. <laughs> in my day, two degrees were expected. Our forebearers designed Presbyterian churches so that the only place everyone could see was no longer the old altar, but the pulpit where the Word of God sat open. Taking the Enlightenment as our model, we have continued to choose exposition of Scripture as a central part of our worship. And of course, that is 100% worthy and it is central. But we don't train ministers to do to do the same degree now. Those ordained to word and sacrament are fewer and further between and our enlightenment model is singularly disengaging to those beyond the church who have a who have passed the enlightenment stage by. And ministers have become more managers of folk, trained locally to lead worship. And that isn't a criticism, it is evidence that the model that underpinned the way we engaged with God and the ways we responded to science and literature and theology and philosophy is no longer popularly in use. For us, used to the, the, the preach, teach, learn model, we may feel this is cheapening an intellectual response to worship, though that teaching could be better done in Bible study and discussion. It is probably what happens more now in Eucopatric. But is there an argument that the ground is shifting across the West and we are finding a style of worship that is closer to an invitation to encounter God, faith, mystery, wonder? In contemporary culture, we leave a film or a concert, even a shopping trip, having encountered, engaged, experienced something. Now, I'm not suggesting reducing worship down to a shopping mall approach, but there is no denying 
We are searching more for an experience than a sermon. Even our education is shaped around that. We learn English and maths and science through experiences, engaging with others, asking the questions, making the mistakes, exploration rather than by rote. We need a much longer discussion about this and that is perhaps one of our Think Again topics for the autumn. Worship as an encounter with God through art and glass, music and words, readings and silences, the whole experience. Think worship without the explanation or the sermon. Which is where we find ourselves with the Psalms perhaps. Each a means of encountering God, not explaining God. Words that are there to, to wash over us. We, we don't need to understand. It is all poetry. All of faith is. Explanations just bring trouble. Indeed, might explanation be a way of just controlling things? I've often wondered if that is why we explain so much, as it helps us to control God or our peace of God. And we lose the danger and the redemption that is realised only in the encounter of it. Not everyone will agree, and that's good. But it is where I am at the moment. And so here are five Psalms, each a different experience. We read them and sit with them and wonder if we might invite a deeper encounter with the, the plain words and music and silence, such that worship becomes simply a dwelling place, a meeting place, a trysting place with God. When it feels we are walking in the shadow of death and our souls long. And when we gather in the presence of our enemies, shepherd us towards pastures green, O Lord, our dwelling place after the journey. When we look to the wonder of the heavens and ask who might care for us in all this vastness, remind us we are but a breath smaller than the angels. So when we think ourselves underwhelming and forgotten, may we find our name among the stars, your dwelling place of glory. How long, O Lord, our painful cry? How long, O Lord, our longest question? In our deepest abandonment of our darkest days, may you find for us a language to raise our doubts, that they are spoken in the dwelling places of heaven.
where the swallow finds a home among the temple rafters. Our thirsty souls long vehemently. For if even the swallow has a nest beside your altar, then indeed we all have a shelter called home in the peace of your dwelling place. Before us, behind us, beside us, within us. There is no place we can go and you will not search for us. Even to the ends of the earth, of time, of forgiveness. In such gracious truth, such heavenly love, we find the place, the very place, we, each of us, dwell in you. Thank you for your company today and allowing us to accompany you in worship. This week um, is our, this Sunday is our, our last Sunday, it's the 13th, is the last Sunday sharing our services with the Cross Church and we're back in Eucopatric um, next week, it's the 20th, and we are sharing an all-age or an intergenerational communion, a way of gathering us all again as we start a new season and, and Sunday school and all the other activities many of which have not stopped, <laughs> just kept them going during the summer and they're all there this week as well. So do look on the website at nkchurch.org.uk or in your bulletin where there's a whole bundle of times and dates and places for everything that is going on. We are thinking ahead a wee bit as well. We're coming up to our 375th anniversary next year and so we've got various things starting to be planned now, very early stages about one or two things that were, were growing. So you'll find out more about that as well so that everyone can be involved with that in, in some way. So it's not just a couple or a few people who are organising at all. It's all of us involved and engaged in some way in being part of that, organising, celebrating um, what we are going to be in the future. It's not a 375th anniversary thinking of the past. Everything is turned around to look to the, the future and, and, and how we engage with the world from now on and not just sit back in our laurels for the last uh, 375 years. So these are some of the things that are happening. Please do have a read at the bulletin. Do visit the website and keep up to date with everything that's happening. So let's gather our thoughts together in a prayer that we've based on Psalm 90, because Psalms are prayers. They're ways of engaging with God, encountering God through word and through silence and through prayer and meditation and reflection. And so we use Psalm 90 for our prayer now. Let's pray. Loving God, our dwelling place, you hold the memory of all we have been in every one of our ancestors. Before the mountains were brought forth, before you imagined creation, the bends and lochs and glens and streams, before even what was before, 
your presence brooded from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Might you turn us back to dust from whence we came. Might our arrogance, our explanations, our enlightenment enrage that you say, turn back, you mortals. We think we have progressed. We are enlightened. Yet in truth, we simply have more questions. Climate change, hunger, conflict, our inhumanity. Where has enlightenment brought us? We seem so fickle, flimsy, infinitesimal within your great breadth of life. A thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. Creator, as you cast them away like the morning after a dream, grass comes in the morning renewed and refreshed, by the evening it is dry again. Are we really just an afterthought, a mayfly, here today and gone tomorrow? Is that how you regard us? If you keep count of our sins, then we are overwhelmed every moment. We fail to grasp you. Yet, what is it we reach for? Knowledge or wisdom, you can finish it all with a sigh. One issue of your breath is enough to carry all we understand into oblivion. If this is all there is, we might as well give up on hope now. Yet, we gather in your presence. We seek out a safe place. We long for the encounter of love, the word of life, the spark of light. It is difficult to know which is the greater, the wrath you show at our lack of wisdom or the human encounter you long from us. We are caught in a dilemma we cannot answer. So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. O Lord, may each day be a holy one that we might grasp for the encounter of light, of hope, of grace that you have placed within our reach and find there our dwelling place. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Go in peace, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the common life of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>